Good morning. Today is Tuesday, November 4th, 2014. My name is Melanie. See, and a vision for you is recording an important announcement regarding our website membership contact list. Our website membership contact list at www.avisionforyou.info was purged recently of all membership information. This was done in its entirety on Thursday, October 30th, 2014. The site is now ready for all members to register anew. Even if you thought you registered within the last day, please register anew. The process for registering, as if for the very first time, is very specific and important for successful entry and is explained in detail on our website. You will find these directions across the top list under Members in the Member Registration tab. Please read and follow these instructions carefully for your greatest likelihood for successful registration. These instructions have been updated modified, and simplified. And as always, I'm available and on hand to help with any difficulties. So get going, get registered, and have fun. And good morning again, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, November 4th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page five at paragraph four. Today's readers are The 12 Steps, Christine M. The 12 Traditions, Diane G. Reading the text today, Charles H., Scotty K., and Marie P. The reference number for yesterday, Monday, November 3rd, 2014, is 7004, 7004. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Christine M. to read the 12 steps. Yes, hi, my name is Christine M., recovering compulsive overeater in Missouri. 
the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a, de a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. <clears throat> Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge, knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. I will now ask Diane G. to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning, this is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here this morning to read the Twelve Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal rec recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants, they do not govern. <clears throat> Three, the only requ requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, OA group ought to be, excuse me, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. 
Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume the study of the big book on page five, paragraph four, that begins with, I woke up. I will now ask Charles H. to begin reading. Thank you for your service. Uh, good morning, visionaries. My name is Charles H. I ate too much. I recovered compulsive over a year. I woke up. This had to be stopped. I saw I could not take so much as one drink. I was through forever. Before then, I had written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I meant business, and so I did. Shortly after, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. We had been my high resolve. I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. Was that crazy? I began to wonder. For such an appealing lack of perspective seemed near being just that. Once again, my name is Charles. I eat too much. I recover compulsive overeater. Good morning, uh, visionaries. And thank you, moderator, for your service. Thank you, Leah, for putting me on the Team Tuesday. I love it. Represent. Oh, man, there's so much in here. I could binge right on this first uh, paragraph. But I'm going to start backwards. Uh, yes, I am crazy. I was crazy. I'm a little less crazier today because of vision for you. Um, I could just so identify in with people just pushing food my way, and I said, thank you. And I took that for love before, not even not even absence, before vision for you, I took that for love. You know, people passing food my way and and me just saying thank you. But I was I was I was brainwashed negatively to think that that was love. Um, where have been my high resolve? High resolve was nothing without program without a purpose for me. There had been no fight. I had no defense against the first one. And here it says in the first prayer, I'm going to drill down in that. I'm going to break that molecule that down in this first uh, paragraph. You know, uh, I woke up. No, I came too, uh, you know, because I was I was high from sugar. Um, and I always said, yo, this, this, I got to stop this today. I saw that. I knew that I was powerless against that first bite. I was through forever. All them sweet promises. I meant business this time. <laughs> but I, I didn't have the prescription in my life. I didn't have the vision in my life at that point. I, my vision was blurred because of sugar. I couldn't see. I was blind. And And, you know, the, the, the miracle today is 
I, I need vision for you every single day. Like, like, like vision, vision for, for, for you is fuel, just like food is fuel, not therapy. It, and vision for you is, is therapy, breaking this down. Um, I don't need sweet promises today. And, and, and talking about hidden promises, shout out to my man Scott K that killed it at the convention. Page 88, a hidden promise. It works. It really does. What works? The 12 drastic proposals work. So today, with a purpose, I wake up, and I, and I know it's stopped. It's stopped. It's already stopped before I even wake up. I know that I'm powerless over that first bite. I know I can't take one bite. And theoretically, I can take one bite, but I know today, as a visionary, Fanning the flame, as my man um, Philly Phil would say, my people in New York we represent, fanning the flame. I even started a Facebook group talk called A Visions for You Info, fanning the flame, man, getting people in that want to get in, that want to be attracted, that, that, that is attracted, that is attracted. You know, I'm not pushing it in their face because this is the answer. This is the, this is the antidote. This is the prescription. The difference today there's no sweet promises. I don't need sweet promises. I just binge on program every single day. You know, whatever needs to be done, um, I'm going to do it. You know, uh, it had to be stopped. And the only way for me for this thing to be stopped, my obsession of the mind, analogy of the body, is being a visionary. And I'm going to close with this. Uh, 2015, the convention in Hartford. I'm, I'm today. I'm gonna make it my business today to push a vision for you meeting on the convention agenda. I've just been fueled up by by you guys, and I love it. And uh, God bless you all. And I, I wish you all recovery. Forget about white knuckle abstinence. No more sweet promises for me. And with that, I'm gonna pass. Thanks for allowing me to share. Thank you. Thank you for the share. And um, let's start our sharing this morning with the fifth paragraph. It starts with shortly afterward to this morning. Who would like to share first? This is Larry. Hi. Good morning, Larry Kay. You are first. Good, good morning, Melanie. Thanks so much. Larry Kay, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, with this uh, paragraph, you know, we obviously see that Bill's impacted by the physical allergy. Um, and what it reminds me of is that, you know, just what I've learned, um, I've learned that alcohol does something for the alcoholic that it doesn't do for the non-alcoholic. So, it, you know, if you were to ask a non-alcoholic what happens when they drink alcohol, you know, they would tell you that they, you know, they get like a, an out-of-control, perhaps tipsy, may, maybe even nauseating kind of feeling. And that's why they stop after a few. But like Bill, see, I'm like Bill. When the, when the alcoholic puts alcohol in their body, they get an in-control, sort of an ease and inner comfort kind of feeling. And, you know, like, so this, this, is, this is where, you know, they'll say, well, where can I get more? And I get the same feeling, just like Bill, but with my binge foods, I get the same feeling with something like uh, Oreos, pizza, french fries, whatever it is, or a thousand other food items that contain my alcoholic substance. 
I contained my alcoholic substance. So of course Bill couldn't stop. Now perhaps you know you or I could stop when it comes to an alcoholic beverage. I, I know for me I, I could. I, I choose not to drink alcohol, but I could stop. And never see see if this resonates for you. Prior to coming into program and learning about my disease, as we're learning today, I never understood why other people, uh, you know, would occasionally say like that that piece of uh, that that sugary dessert item. Oh my goodness, that's too rich. <laughs> you know, that's just that's too rich for me. I I never understood that. Now I didn't sit there and think too too long and hard about it, but I did not understand that. There was nothing, there was nothing that was ever too rich for me because I had the allergy. That's what we see with Bill. See, with me, no matter how much I wanted to stop intellectually, I couldn't. I couldn't of my own accord. Like Bill, you know, where had been my high resolve? Um, it simply didn't come into my consciousness. We, we have no mental defense against the first bite. It must, what I learned through harsh, harsh, beaten down reality, it must come from a power greater than myself or I'll die. And I've known, um, unfortunately, many people in program, we've been around a, a little bit, I know people that have died of this disease. And uh, they'll never put uh, a compulsive overeating on someone's a death certificate. But we all know that's the, the deal. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it saved my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Would anyone else like to share this morning on this on this paragraph? Leah, Amy. Leah M. and then Amy. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Mel. Thanks for your service. Good morning, everybody. Leah M. Recovered compulsive overeater. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. It hadn't even come to mind. Someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. Was I crazy? You know, this reminds me of uh, step two, you know, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity because, uh, you know, I was crazy in in this regard. You know, my mind was flawed. My mind is broken. And thank God for the program of recovery and this text, which gave me a detailed uh, education about the greater aspect of my disease, which is... In my mind, yes, I have an allergy of the body. Yes, that is a bad problem, but I have a problem much worse than that. I have a problem with my mind. So when Bill says, was I crazy, the answer is yes, and that was true for me also. You know, now if I have to be restored to sanity, like that step two talks about, right, then that indicates that I must be insane. People think insanity means uh, once Bill ingested that alcohol. But the big book is talking about the insanity that takes control of us before we pick up that first drink, before we pick up that first bite. When, when Bill is uh, cold stone sober, why is it that he cannot remember the consequences of what happens once he starts to drink? You know, the um, definition of sanity is wholeness of mind, a mind that is whole, a mind that is able to see the truth and make decisions based on the truth. What's the definition of insanity? A mind that's less than whole, a mind that can't always see the truth, that makes decisions based on lies, and that was true for me. Why couldn't I remember the suffering of last night? 
Why couldn't I remember the humiliation and shame of the day before? Why couldn't I remember the discussions with my husband regarding divorce due to this illness? Why could I not remember that? You know, that is, that is lack of soundness of mind. I'm not a stupid person. I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but I'm pretty bright. I've got a good memory. And if I had burned my hand on a hot stove, chances are that I was always going to remember that, that I was not going to put my hand on a hot stove just to watch my flesh melt. But see, binge foods had burned me over and over and over and over and over again. But for some strange reason, left to my own devices and my own resources, I could not remember what compulsive overeating did to me. All I could think about was what it was going to do for me. I had stopped thousands of times. Why couldn't I stay stopped? Well, this is why I needed the program of recovery. The program of recovery restored me to sanity, brought me to soundness of mind, relieved me of the obsession for that first bite, and gave me an opportunity to be free. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Amy G., good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much, everyone, for being on the line. Thank you for your service. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Grateful to be so. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on what Leah was saying about this mental obsession because this, to me, is the scary part. I mean, we've watched this progression of this physical allergy with Bill continue, the progression of compulsive overeating, but now he wants to stop. Now he truly realizes that he can't have even one drink, and yet shortly after, he comes home drunk. And I don't know about you all, but for me, that was the scariest part. This was the dark before the dawn because I didn't understand what the mental obsession was about at that point when I was dying of this disease. But there came a point in time where I did want to stop. I wanted to stop with all my heart, with all my soul, and I could not stop. I knew that I this food was killing me. I had consequences left and right, and yet I could not stop. Now, that was truly a scary place to me. Prior to that, I didn't have any idea. I thought I just needed the right diet. I thought my life had to fall into place, like I needed a man to fix me. I mean, I was looking at all these other things, but finally at some point I realized the insanity of what I was doing with food. For example, purging. And I wanted to stop, but I could not stop on all of my own will. And I had years still to go of this hell and torture of trying to stop, wanting to stop, but could not stop. And this is what Bill, I mean, we read a few paragraphs ahead here. He's got two more years of this hell and torture of his alcoholism. I remember for me wanting to stop. It was years. And then in OA, based on knowledge, trying then to stop on my own will. This mental obsession is the absolute devastating aspect of this disease because we, I wanted to stop, but of my own will. My mind was my worst, my liability because my best thinking at some point with this mental twist, I would think at some point with all consequences, I could not remembering the suffering of a day, a minute, or an hour ago, because for some reason my brain would rationalize and say, having a bite was the best idea that I had all day. But for the grace of God and this program, 
I would not be here today. This disease is devastating and it's a killer. It is the dark before the dawn that we're looking at here with this disease, but only by the grace of God of this program do we come out on the other side. At least that's been my experience. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Who else would like to comment on what was read? This is Vasa, please. Deanna B. Sharon E. I caught Deb W, Sally A, Vasa O, Deanna B, and Sharon H. Good morning, Deb W. You want to start us out? Yes, I will. Deb W recovered in Oklahoma. Boy, this paragraph just hits home to all of us who know and who have been there and who are now blessed to not be there today. You know, I think about how much I hate this disease. I hate it. I hate being in that place. And I hate it because, you know, I love to eat. I loved those binge foods. I loved them so much that I was willing to to go through the misery after them. The misery was a for sure thing. It was, you know, automatic. When I ate till I couldn't eat no anymore, till I was at the point of throwing up, then came the disease, the what the food did to me, what the binge foods did to me, and where it had been my fight. There was no fight. It wasn't until I had to come to terms that I could not stand the results of having what I wanted. They were worse than the having what I wanted. I had to get there. And there is no other way out because it's not going away. You know, the years that I spent trying to figure out what else I could do, you know, what can I do to resolve this? Can I read enough? Can I go to enough programs? Well, here I found the answer. But even in relapse, I still played the game of trying to figure out, is there anything else I could do? And there's not. And I had to come to those terms. So those that are on the line, it's not going to change. But there is an, a solution. There is an answer. And this is something that is a part of me today, just like some people have other diseases that they have to deal with. Anyway, I'm, I'm just glad to be here, and I, I think I'll pass. Thank you, Deb. W. Sally A. Sally A, press star one. Oh, I thought I wasn't unmuted. Good morning, everybody. And um, Melanie, thank you for your generous service to all of us. Um, I'm Sally A, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. So we see here, this is such a very important part of Bill's story because in the paragraph before, he starts out by saying, I woke up. But in reality, he's in the process of waking up to what he's dealing with. He's just beginning to find out that there's a creature living inside him, a disease that he owns that he didn't realize, that he's, he still hasn't realized. 
it's three more pages at least before he realizes exactly what he's dealing with, the devastation of a disease that he is, that is living in his body. So he, he says, I woke up, but did he wake up? Well, he's in the process of waking up. But in this next paragraph, which is what we're looking at now, shortly afterward, I came home drunk. He had, he had rolled up his sleeve. He had made a decision, sort of like a, an old Bugs Bunny cartoon, Elmer Fudd, goes marching in. He rolls up his sleeve. He's going to take care of that bunny. He's going to take care of this disease. And yet, guess what? He gets blown up. So he comes home. He's blown up. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. There had been no fight. Where had been my high resolve? Okay, more about the selective dementia that this disease presents for me. You know, we, we've been talking about the mental, the mental component of our disease, and, and I, too, have come to look at this as some form of selective dementia. I've got a great memory. I've got a really good memory. I, I really do. And yet, when it comes to this, it's like a nonchalant behavior comes over me with the food. He says that someone had pushed a drink my way, and I had taken it. Where had been his high resolve? Was I crazy? Is this selective dementia? I began to wonder, for such an appalling lack of perspective seems near being just that. And I have had many days, many, 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 many times of a firm resolve that I am going to, okay, I'm going to take control of this craziness as if I could, as if I was in a box, a wooden box, and the box was thrown into the ocean and it was sinking down into the ocean, slowly sinking. And in the box was me with a napkin folded on my lap and I was sitting with a plate of food in front of me thinking I could just, I could eat. And then suddenly I decided I don't want any more. And yet water started streaming in the sides of the box. And I was suddenly drowning and I wanted out of the box, but I couldn't get out of the box. And that's what it felt like for me to be in the food and want to stop the eating. I was drowning. I was dying. And I couldn't get out of the box. And Bill is just realizing his fight. He's at the beginning of waking up. Thanks for letting me share with that. I pass. Thank you. Vasa O. Melanie, I'm on. Yes, you are. Good morning. Good morning, Vasa. Thank you, Melanie. Thank you for your service. And thank you, everybody, for being there this morning. And I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from Massachusetts. And, oh, wow, I remember reading, you know, um, Bill's story, and I could identify so much with him, the pain, the suffering he was going, he went through and still going, still going before he finds uh, the solution. But anyways, I I had 25 years of hell continually uh, trying to gain that power to put the food down. I was crazy. I was blinded when I was into the food. I was always in despair, shame, and humiliation. And it was the, it was getting progressive for me. I thought I could have a control every once in a while, but I always lost that control. Uh, I could identify with Bill's story. If someone gave him a drink, he couldn't push it away, and I I did the same thing. I'd be on a diet, you know, and somebody gave me something, you know, I couldn't push it away. I liked the effects of, of the sugar, and I was also introduced as growing up 
my father would heat up uh, brandy with sugar, and he would give us uh, a shot here and there, then a little shot. I loved the effects of it. And on holidays, we would get up, you know, get together, and he would he would heat it up, you know, and I would have half a shot, and my face would just burn. I mean, I would get red. My nose would get red. And I love the taste of it, and I love the effects of it. But thank you, God, like when I got married, you know, some <clears throat> we had it in the cabinet, my husband and I, and I caught myself every once in a while, you know, taking it down and heat it up with the sugar. And I love the effects. But something told me inside it had to be God, you know, and not to do it again. But again, I ha- I was using the sugars in a different way. I love the sweet drinks, you know, pina coladas, whatever. I didn't have them that often, but when we had them out, when we went out with my husband every once in a while, I loved the effects, you know. I loved the effects of the food. I told my husband I loved to eat every single night, and I, I lived to eat. I loved to eat, and he eats. To live, you know, and I could not stop. It is by the grace of God I found uh, the solution. Again, I I did it with the, you know, I started with the big book, with the big book, and I could identify, and this was the only way I could. The solution, the steps were here, and I needed to put the food down first to detox my 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 body. To you know, to get the clarity, to get more into the steps, and that's what I did. One bill, you know, one is not enough for me. I, you know, think I cannot even have one. You know, I knew that. I took the inventory of my eating habits. I had to put all the sugars down completely. Thank you for letting me share my pass. Thank you, Vasa. Deanna B. Good morning, everyone. My name is Deanna B, and I'm a newly recovered compulsive eater, and thank you for your service, Melanie. Uh, I just needed to say a few words, but sometimes when I do that, it goes on and on, but I will try to keep it short. I need to piggyback with what Larry said about I never met um, uh, someone who said or ate, I couldn't eat, it was too sweet. I don't know. I have it down here someplace. And I was one of those people that when I came in and out and in and out of OA since 1976, I would say, but that's not my problem. That's not my problem. You know, I can't drink alcohol either. I'm in that program. Uh, It was easier for me than OA. Uh, I don't drink sugary drinks. But, you know, that just in OA, it was like, well, then I must not be. And, you know, when I was in a full-fledged binge, it didn't matter what I ate. And today I know I don't eat sugar. I don't eat wheat because it has the sugar in it, which could trigger, and so I just don't eat it. And But what was the most difficult for me to put down were my portions, my all the salty, crunchy, buttery things. And just for today, I'm abstinent, I'm newly recovered, God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. So I just wanted to let those people 
snow out there, don't leave. Stay. If you think sugar is not your problem, it is. It's all our problem, you know. And I need to weigh and measure my food. That's for me. And call it in and write it down. And for me, that works. Thank you very much, and I'll pass. Thank you. Sharon H., and it's right after Sharon H. shares, we'll continue our study. Thank you so much, Sharon. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Melanie. Uh, thank you so much for your service. This is Sharon H., uh, recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Um, I was through forever. Shortly afterward, I came home drunk. Where had been my high resolve? Was I crazy? An appalling lack of perspective seemed to be just that. Um, and this was me back in December of 2010, Christmas Day. I, at that point, had um, 11 months, 10 months. I was going to be a year abstinent in uh, February of 2011. And Christmas Day, I got angry because my um, daughter was not coming for Christmas, and this had been sort of an ongoing situation. And I... I talked to my, my uh, I lived with my sister. My other sister was there. She came in and talked to me, and I just said, I'm so angry, I'm so angry, I'm so angry. But I didn't do what I needed to do, and that was to uh, do the writing, uh, give that to God. I didn't do any of that. So someone didn't just give a drink, shove it my way. I went into the kitchen, and there on the uh, table was the nuts in the little wooden bowl like we used to have when I was a kid at home and said, oh, wow, that reminds me of uh, Christmas at home and I'll just have a few nuts here. And that was the beginning of a horrible all day into the night binge. And uh, then uh, I think it was two days before I was able to even call my sponsor and then tried to get right back on track because that was always one of my little uh, things you know, I'll get right back on track. Well, that time I didn't. I didn't, and I wasn't able to stay stopped, and um, sponsor after sponsor had to let me go. And um, then I tried to get back a couple times going to to uh, meetings. Uh, nothing worked. Absolutely nothing worked at that point. I had reached that point where I really wanted to stop, and I could not. I could not. And so it was in July of 2012 that I began listening to this OA Vision for You uh, phone line meeting through a dear friend who told me about it. And for the first time in my life that um, they, thank God they were in the doctor's opinion because listening to that line by line, paragraph by paragraph, I finally accepted to the core of my being that I did have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body when it came to the food. And I had not believed that. When um, the definition of sanity was given, I could relate so much that the uh, wholeness of mind is, uh, is the definition of sanity and insanity is a mind that can't see the truth and makes decisions based on lies. And that's what I had done over and over and over again many, many times uh, in this program. So I am so grateful today to know that that obsession of the mind uh, begins before I ever uh, take that first bite. And that I, you know, that was exactly what happened to me that 
um, <clears throat> that day, and it just reminds me of Jim. You know, he was sober and he was doing okay, but uh, was time. irritable. Oh, sorry. Okay. Thank you very much. I pass. Thank you. And now we'll continue the study. Scotty Kay, would you pick up on the last paragraph on page five, renewing my resolve? Of course. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Good morning. Hey, good morning, family. My name is Scotty. I'm uh, from New York City, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Renewing my resolve, I tried again. Some time passed and confidence began to be replaced by cocksureness. I could laugh at the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. One day I walked into a cafe to telephone. In no time I was beating on the bar, asking myself how it happened. As the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time. But I might as well get good and drunk then. And I did. Okay, so um, again, this is my first time as a reader and as a sharer, so just take it easy with me. Um, my name is Scotty Kay. I'm gratefully, I'm from New York, a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. Um, because of the fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous and the 12 steps, which are found in the program of um, in our program through the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I haven't found it necessary to uh, eat my binge foods or, or act on my food behaviors in 4,261 days today, one day at a time. And um, this paragraph, it really jumps out at me. It always has. I've been studying this book for more than two decades. Um, I've uh, looked at it. The first thing that pops out at me is the word cocksureness. And where it, of course, makes my mind go is right to the 10-step promises, which I call the abstinence promises on page 84 and 85, where, you know, it goes on to talk, to talk about if we're in fit spiritual condition, the problem just doesn't exist. And it says we are neither cocky nor are we afraid. And, of course, it gives the caveat that uh, it, it's only there if we're in fit spiritual condition. So if God's with me, it's impossible for me to compulsively overeat today because you know, with God, everything, I become a normal human being again. So when Bill had his cocksureness here, I love that he called back to it later on in when he's actually talking about the 10-step promises because those mostly are written in present or past tense. And... You know, he, he, as we know about Bill, he's a self-proclaimed, you know, he always called himself a coward when, you know, during some, some biographies, and the alcohol was what, what really fueled him and what really gave him the courage, courage to go to war because he was drafted and, and was not happy about being in the Army. Um, it gave him courage with business. It gave him courage with women. It gave him courage with everything. So this cocksureness was just really something that, that he put in front of him um, as just another way, just a replacement. Um, just like me, when I, uh, I mean, I come from big numbers. I come from being over 500 pounds. And when I was losing weight and I would get the, they said, oh, Scott, you, you know, you're looking so much better. Your clothes are getting so big on you and this and that. And I, I had a cockiness about myself. And that led, that led me okay. You know, I was able to, to be okay um, with it and, and not compulsively eat or pick up. And then, of course, once I became restless, irritable, and discontented, everything flew out the window. And because I didn't have a spiritual, my spiritual connection was disconnected, um, or I just didn't never had one in the in the very beginning. So, you know, going into the bar, you know, going into the cafe to telephone. Back then, of course, a lot of lots of cafes had alcohol, and and he, I'm sure, went in there just to do something, um, just to to make a few phone calls. Because again, nobody had cell phones back then. Everybody had to go to a payphone in a bar or a restaurant, um, or in the streets. And so he went in there, and I'm sure somebody said, well, hey, you know, check out this stout beer or check out this cider or check out this ale. And, you know, of course, in his alcoholic thinking, he can have just one. You know, even though he, he already, 
he already had begun to realize that he can't just have one. It's just the, the defense just wasn't there. And as we know, there's no human will involved here because human will will always fail us. It's, it's God's will that's going to carry us through this. And then, of course, the last part of what I'm going to say is the whiskey rose to my head. I told myself I would manage better next time, but I might as well get good and drunk. So, you know, for me, one is too much and a thousand is not enough. And I'm, I'm a binge eater. I don't stop when I start. And a lot of my issue is not necessarily with the allergy personally, um, and, but a lot of it is with food behaviors and with certain foods and food behaviors. So once I do something, I get a case of the efforts, and I'm watching my language, um, but I get a case of the efforts, and it's like, oh, you know, I might as well start tomorrow. Well, guess what, people? It's 7.44 on a Tuesday morning. Your abstinence can start right now. I don't care what you've been eating in the beginning of this call, what you did in the bathroom before this call, or anything. Abstinence can start any moment of any day, and guess what? You don't ever have to compulsively overeat again as long as you live one day at a time. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you for allowing me to do service. Rabia? Hi, Rabia. We can take, it looks like, maybe four shares, and we'll start with you, Rabia. Good morning. Oh, good morning, fellow visionaries. I'm so happy to be here with you all this morning. I'm Rabia M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and just loving, loving the shares. And so this is amazing. What popped out while Scotty was reading this paragraph is the eyes, and I just counted them. In this one short paragraph, there are eight eyes. I, 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 and there's my disease. Um, and the very first word of the very first step is we. And so, you know, there it is. You know, I've got this. I, I've got this. You know, I'm thin again. I've gotten through the ninth step. These promises are coming true. I don't need to work this hard. You know, I've really got this. You know, I uh, I can start getting sloppy. Uh, you know, I'm down to abstinence. I can start rearranging my food and um, time after time after time after time. And so, you know, I walked into a cafe. Well, this cafe obviously sold liquor. So, you know, I walked into a Dunkin' Donut to buy a cup of coffee. <laughs> and, um, and I remembered back in March 5th, my first week of abstinence, uh, this time back, thank God, um, I, had to make, I had to make a lot of phone calls to uh, compulsive overeaters that first week because that first day, I, I walked into Dunkin' Donuts to get a cup of coffee, and I couldn't believe how crazed I was, you know. So um, to go back, you know, to go back, and, and thank God I didn't, but I remember that really vividly. And it's so true. I just love what was so said. Anyone on the line um, who wants to be abstinent and start this journey with us right here, right now, today, uh, please stay for the second hour. This is how we do it. You know, identify yourself as a newcomer, and even if you're not ready to do that, stay until seven minutes to nine, and there'll be sponsors available. There'll be people available to take you through the doctor's opinion. Um, there'll, there'll be people available to call you, uh, put your name out there that you need a sponsor, or you, it's day one, and you're ready to start this journey. Please let us help you. You don't ever ever, ever have to pick up another compulsive bite. And, and I haven't since March 5th. I, a couple of months later, I became recovered, 
And, and I'm living in these wondrous 12 steps, and so can you. Please join us. Thank you. I'd like to share. This is Bella. Can I share? Thank you, Rabia. I heard somebody before Bella, and I can take up to three. So I heard somebody before Bella. Who was that? Nancy. Hi, Nancy. And then Bella. And then Renata. Renata. And that will that will that will wind (laughs) that will complete our share for today. So Nancy, Bella, and Renata. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning. this is for you, family. Uh, my name is Nancy. I'm a grateful recovered over here. I've just come back from a cruise, and my first recovered cruise, I've cruised under all um, situations. I've cruised white knuckled abstinence in the disease, and you name it. Uh, and this past has really spoke to my mindset. Uh, next time, I'll, when I get home, I'll do it better. Uh, I'll get back on it. And uh, I can tell you, the, the the promises are true. Um, my the thing I look forward to every day on the cruise was going to the Bill W meetings. I could not. Be, I mean, my whole the psychic change that's promised in this program has taken change. That was one of the highlights of my trip. Bill W meetings uh, and the other things were secondary. And it, the people I traveled with, there were three couples, normal eaters. Uh, they had dessert with every meal. They were just having a good time. And, uh, you know, they stayed in their lane and I stayed in mine. I'm just grateful for the recovery I found uh, in this uh, meeting. And uh, I think I have a responsibility to share what I have found in all meetings that I go to, no matter what's happening. That is my responsibility to uh, share that you can recover. Uh, Just a little plug, I'm moderating a regular OA phone meeting on Thursday nights, and I really welcome recovered people willing to share their recovery with people who are still struggling. Thank you. Thank you. Nancy, is the first initial your last name S like Sam? No, it's E. E, like Edward. Yes. Thank you. Bella, you're next. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Melanie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Asking myself how it happened. Yes, before the program, I asked myself so many times how it happened, but I didn't give myself the right answer. I gave myself the wrong answers all the time, and this is what I believed. I answered myself, well, I am doing it because of the people, because of the world, because if other people would uh, would behave different, if they will respect me in a different way, I would be better. And then when I saw that it doesn't help me, so I went to judge and blame myself. Oh, you see, Bella, you did again a mistake. Again, you didn't know the answer. Again, you didn't please people. And this is the way I behaved because this is the way I believed. And thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. Now I am not in that circle of blaming others and blaming myself, judging others and judging myself. Now I am connected to a loving power, no longer to my ego. Now I am connected to a respectful power and I am not afraid 
to live the present without the fear of the past and the anxiety of the future. Now I, I am not afraid to face reality and to say, well, Bella, I am not perfect and I will never be and there is no perfect in this world because we are human. And today I am asking the question, what can I do today to give over the message that God has for me and not my ego message? Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Renata, you'll be our last share for today. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, good morning, everyone. This is Renata, Recovered Compulsive Reader in New York. Uh, and this paragraph made me think of, um, you know, the pink cloud of absence that a lot of us get when we get into the rooms. Uh, I know I was in the pink cloud for a long time. And, uh, you know, but Bill is not recovered yet. He's not in fit spiritual condition because he hasn't gone through the steps. And uh, he makes a, a bad decision of going into a cafe. And, you know, on page 100, it says, assuming we are spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things that alcoholics are not supposed to do. And, you know, there are a lot of people that I talk to, and sometimes they're like, you know, I have this cruise booked or I have this party or this wedding, blah, blah, blah. And I, f- I don't feel, I don't know if I can be abstinent, you know. And the book says that if we're not in spiritual condition, there's some things we're not supposed to do. Um, you know, it says people have said we must not go where liquor is served. We must not have in our, we must not have it in our homes. We must shun Sorry, we must shun friends who drink. We must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes. We must not go into bars. Our friends must hide their bottles if we go to their houses. We we must not think or be reminded of alcohol at all. And, you know, I know for me, like, when I was in the process of doing the steps, there were certain things that I had to avoid until I went through the work and, you know, had a spiritual awakening and so now can have this defense that I need against the first bite. Because before I went through the steps, I didn't. And so I had to shield myself until I was through with the process and uh, so I could make sure I could finish the steps being abstinent. Uh, that's all I want to share. Thank you. Thank you, Renata. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Marie P. please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, I will. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.